Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Jake, and we have an awesome episode for you today. Uh, once again, Chris is not here, and that's because he is still pounding literal thousands of miles in preparation for the Overcrest 2023 rally. Um, he has, if you've been following along on Instagram, which I hope you have, you know, he's been exploring the literal best roads in the country out in Oregon where the rally will be held later this fall. And if you've been living under a rock, I guess, uh, Overcrest is, of course, not only just a podcast, we also are a national rally event. Um, we curate the best roads in the country and travel around the country, inviting you guys to come along and explore and take the car with us. Um, we actually have our rally applications open right now from the beginning of June through June 15th. Um, so you can go to the website right now to do that. Uh, yeah, so that's what's going on with the rally. And speaking of the rally, we, of course, have one of our rally partners who's going to be on the podcast with us. Actually, I should say two of them. We have uh, Toby and Nicole from Shieldman USA. So Shieldman, I'll get into the interview and explain it a little bit. But Shieldman is, of course, the amazing German seat manufacturer. And I love the story that Toby wanted some seats for a project and couldn't get any because they were in Germany only. They didn't have a distributor. And he basically said, well, and I'm going to be my own distributor and started his company. And it's awesome. And if you're looking for seats uh, for your next project or whatever it might be, um, these, these are really like high quality German awesome seats that are great for, for any car. They're awesome. So be sure to check those guys out. I'll, uh, I'll list a link in the show notes as well. So besides having a cool story and we didn't even get to talk about seats. So this went extremely long because what they have recently done is gone and entered their own vehicle in the Nora 1000 Baja race down in Mexico. And so it was an awesome, awesome story about what that experience was like and what led up to it and the crazy adventures that you see along the way. And so what I'm actually going to be doing here is it, it, the, the story was too good to be compressed into a single episode. So this is going to be part one of the Shieldman with Toby and Nicole, their adventure down in Baja, Mexico. And we're going to be then following up with part two next week. Um, and then after that, I think Chris will officially be back and fully, fully sane, hopefully. Well, he's never fully sane, but he'll be back in the saddle with me. Um, and so we should probably recap also his adventures scouting because I know there were a ton of stories and cool people that he encountered um, and just really awesome stuff that I haven't even been filled in and on. But he, I know, told me, all right, we got to save this for the podcast because these are some awesome stories, some awesome people that he encountered, some amazing places. So I'm excited for that coming up in a couple weeks. All right. Well, before we get into it, let's talk about our sponsor, Petrol Box. Petrol Box, as you guys know, is a monthly subscription service made specifically for automotive enthusiasts, similar to the old Jelly of the Month Club, except this is a heck of a lot better because not only do they carefully select items, including dual tools. I don't know what duels are. They're dual tools, which I guess sometimes there are tools with dual purposes, some of which I've actually gotten from Petrol Box now that I think of it. But they include tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications, uh, 
all sorts of other things. I'm trying to list the laundry list of things that I just got this last month because I also get Petrobox and it is an awesome surprise every time. It's the latest and greatest gear in the industry. And what's really cool about it is it's like Christmas morning or your birthday every month because you don't necessarily know what's going to be in the box. Um, and that makes it all the better. And it's always really cool stuff that you enjoy. Um, there's two different levels of subscription to choose from. You know this, the Petrobox Basic. It costs less than 20 bucks a month, so there's not a whole lot. You need to invest in this for an awesome subscription or a gift. It makes a great gift. Uh, or you could go with the Petrobox Premium, which gives you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Check them out at mypetrolbox.com. And be sure to use the code OVERCREST at checkout. That'll get you $6 off your first month. Uh, like I said before, it, it makes an amazing gift. There are so many people, I think, in my life, and I'm guilty of it too, where you know, at this point in your life at this age, it's like, I'm not going to wait around to buy something so I can like put it on a birthday list. That's just, that's not a thing. And usually you don't feel the need to buy birthday gifts for fellow adults. But if you do, this is an amazing gift. It's really cool. Everyone that I've given it to as gifts, because I have, I, I have put my money where my mouth is. And I've actually given this subscription as a gift to my dad. And I think a couple other people, um, they've all loved it. They thought it was super cool. And then they were kind of disappointed when the subscription ran out. So I might have to make that a follow-up gift next year. Anyways, check those guys out. It's awesome. All right. So I want to get into this interview right away because it is a long one. And like I said, that's even breaking it up. It's like over two hours. It's going to be awesome. You guys will love it. It was a hell of a lot of fun. And it was very cool hearing about their experiences. Here we have Toby and Nicole from Shieldman. We are joined here with Toby Pond and Nicole Pond. Toby, you, uh, you I know, are the owner of Shieldman USA. And I suppose, Nicole, you are also the owner of Shieldman cool. USA. You guys are yeah. together. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you are the official North American importer of Shieldman automotive seats out of Germany. And we're super excited to be working with you as well as an official partner of this year's Overcrest Rally which we can chat about a little bit later. But uh, we have some really cool things to cover because you guys have been doing some awesome stuff. Um, Nicole, you are not only the business partner, but better half of Toby. So <laughs> I, I I don't even know if we want to get into it, but I can't imagine working with my wife, you know, the spouse. I And you guys do work from home too. It looks like you guys are both at home. Well, we are today. We wanted to have some quiet space to talk to you. Okay, and, well, that's um, good. Yeah, but yeah, we, we we spend a lot of time together. So uh, luckily, though, our, our shop is only about 15 minutes away. And that's not a, okay. We're, we're back. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Welcome. Um, you know, one thing I kind of want to touch on quickly, and you can, I don't know if you've ever heard any of my, I like to do little deep dives into history. And so I was always curious about Schielman. I knew the name, right? And I knew the German yeah. seats, they're high quality seats. I never knew really much about the history. And so I would love to just give some of our listeners, they might also be interesting, a little history and background on Schielman. And yeah. feel free to interject and tell me anywhere and everywhere that I'm wrong. Uh, but it seems like the company can actually be traced back to 1922, when one Walter Grenier Sr. founded a small uh, mechanical workshop in what was originally an old brewery in Germany, which I love the fact that there's some tie in there with. I don't know if you're a beer drinker. I am. But uh, I don't know. That makes the product all the much better that it was originally founded in a brewery, in my mind. Absolutely. Um, 
this Mr. Granier, he specialized in making metal components for barber chairs and other furniture, which I thought was kind of cool, the tie-in and how that got uh, started. He made a, a name for himself, and um, the company kind of progressed there. But where it really kind of took off and started life as the seats as we know it is when the, what is it, Schlotzen Sitzen. Do you, okay, here's, yeah, first of all, do you guys speak? Perfect. No. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Do you guys speak yeah. German or go to Germany a lot for business at all? I'm curious how embarrassed I should no, be right Yeah, now. no to the first part. We don't speak German, but we okay. we do have the pleasure of going to, <laughs> to visit the factory on a regular basis. So um, That is very yeah. cool. Yeah, it is. Okay, well, the as I was trying to pronounce, Schiel Schalen Sitze. Oh, Schalen Sitze. Okay, now that I know the that, word, that, it makes sense. Which, yeah, that just means bucket seats. It means bucket seats, right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. where it really kind of came into what we know is a guy by the name of uh, Mr. Rolf Schiel who was a race car driver. Uh, He was outside of Stuttgart in the 60s, and he basically had this aim of providing top-end seats for motorsport and racing market. You know, at the time, you have to realize that most of these cars, you were literally sitting on, like, a flat bench seat, right? Like, no lumbar support, no side support. Is that... Yeah, so there was there there is it's partially accurate. So there was um, performance seats that had side support. So they had basically walls on the the side of your body to hold you sure. in the seat. The, the bolsters um, we would call them. But right? the the yeah exactly. But the the fundamental difference was that the backrest of those seats was essentially um, like a flat panel, and so your your spine is not a flat panel. Your your spine is S shaped. And right. um, in my opinion, his his breakthrough was. Um, making a backrest that was shaped like your spine, like an S shape. And so sure, okay. on a, on a long distance rally, like, um, you know, the, the Monte Carlo rally, for instance, you could be in a car for, um, you know, an enormous amount of time, like in one sitting. And so the, the difference in, in, in comfort was significant on a, on a properly made seat. So, Which makes sense because that's kind yeah. of like the, the origin of endurance racing was that, part of the world you know you think of europe and the old yeah, old yeah. racing and it's all the endurance racing that we love um regardless by late uh, 60s and early 70s shield seats had uh, forged a reputation for making obviously awesome seats and i didn't realize that they were actually like manufacturer um they provided manufacturer equipment right original manufacturer OEM. equipment yeah, yeah, some, yeah. some oems which i didn't know so like ford bmw porsche they all had been installing Shields seats into their yeah, factory cars. The top model stuff. So for, for one really famous one is when the, the three liter CSL was released, the um, homologation version, it yes. came with a special Shield seat. So that was, um, that's you know, that awesome. Was now is that, are you a BMW guy? I'm, I'm admittedly not a huge BMW guy. So I'm trying to picture three liter <laughs> CSL. Is that like the Batmobile one? That's you know exactly what I'm talking about? Okay. Yeah, the, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Super cool car. Um, I read Super they cool. also did like Ford's uh, Capri RS was exactly. the shield seats from the time as well. So, well, there you go. That's a, a very cursory overview, I guess, of Shieldmen. Um, they, the man came in later when they, um, I'll just, you know, because that was shield seats, shield man. They obviously had yeah. what? Uh, brought in an investor time. essentially. So okay. that was a uh, early seventies. Mr. Mon joined up. Um, it's a, it is a, it's a little bit of a confusing history because there's, um, you know, people died and, and then things almost went away, but 
that's where the Griner family came in. So in the eighties, Mr. Mon died of cancer and the mm. Griner family um, took over the factory and kept everyone employed and, and marched forward, but reduced their marketing efforts. So um, they were like inward focusing on the German market to keep everybody. It's, it's a very like early sustainability model. So their sure, goal right. was to keep things moving and keep everyone employed, but n- growth wasn't something that was focused on. It was more about um, just keeping it going. And that's what they did. And, and um, it, it actually preserved this, um, this way of making something properly in a, in an age where efficiencies came in um, the, the, the little German company kept making things um, right instead of making things cheaper. And um, that's and awesome. We, yeah, we found them. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's awesome. the opposite of kind of like modern day manufacturing consumerism, yeah, right? Exactly. No planned right obsolescence in these seats. Nope. So, <laughs> as an example, we have people that bought seats um, from the distributor in the '80s, and they'll they'll call us up and and want to buy new brackets for their new car that they bought, and they're still using the same seats. Oh, and they're putting the, the old seat in the new yeah. car. That's a really cool example. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that's awesome. Um, Yeah, and so you guys started up and became the official U.S. distributor. And that kind of makes sense with what you told about their story, how they're kind of inward focusing and sustainable. And now you guys are able to offer the U.S. market. Exactly. Yep. Okay, well, now that we have the business and history side out of the way, the exciting part. So I'm going to start kind of at the beginning here, because as I understood it, you had been helping uh, Jeff Gamroth of Rossport Racing campaign his Porsche 964 rally cars in the grueling Nora 1000 back in, what was it, 2017, 2018? 2016, yeah, or 2017. Okay, yep. So we can can come back to that and talk a little bit about your involvement, because I'm curious about that. But apparently the experience stuck with you because you've just finished the epic Mexican 1000 in your own vehicle that you repaired and entered, which yeah. I saw Nicole, your name on the door as well. So you guys not only work together, have a business together, live together, are married, you race together. <laughs> yeah. You guys should be like the, the pinnacle for like marriage counseling. Something's going right there, right? <laughs> no, but this, this sounds super cool. So it, it was a, you prepared and entered in a 1988 Mercedes uh, G-Class or G-Wagon, right? And it looked absolutely amazing. And I, I think lately on the podcast, we've I realized we've been gravitating a lot more towards like off-road racing. And mm-hmm. it's not something that we have a whole lot of, you know, experience or visibility into. But, you know, we previously had uh, a guy named Michael Emery who's on the show and he's been like a 30-year veteran of racing down there in Baja and also founded the Slow Baja, which we want to, get involved with as well and we've also did that last year in our other g-wagon did you really so so that he's actually part he's woven he's woven into this story so um it does it's a small world of people that are passionate about um about this kind of thing and and i ran into him in his 40 series land cruiser yeah um, at one of the races we were in the middle of nowhere and um, he actually came up to me and he said, hey, I'm, you know, my name is Michael Emery. And one of my friends, Christian, um, wanted me to meet you. He said, you're, you're a cool guy. So um, so he invited us to go on his next um, Slow Baja um, Nora 1000 class, um, which was yeah. a year ago. So so we um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a con- it's a long convoluted story. But well, you know what? Um, That's he, great because yeah. I want to get into it. This is yeah. 
you know, I, I was just basically saying that, like, yeah, it's, it's super interesting, that entire series of races. Because the other thing I didn't realize prior to, you know, getting into all this is Nora is just the organizing body, right? The yeah. National Off-Road Racing Association. Yep, um, exactly. And so you have the Nora 1000. You had or still have the Baja 1000, which is a separate race. And then so I'll, I'll tell you a, fun, a fundamental Nora. difference. So the okay. the, um, the Nora race is run as a stage rally race. So Got what it. that means is that like over f- the the course of five days in the Nora 1000, there's a, a starting line in the morning and a finish yep. line in the evening. Right. So you're going from point sure. A to point B, and then all night long you it, let's say hypothetically you brought a car that was prepared well and was meant for racing and you wouldn't have to do any work on it no let's just say hypothetically you could sleep all night but people don't sleep there there's actually copious amounts of um of uh you know there's really good beer and margaritas right so everyone's partying and having a good time but you have five days of this oh adventure through the, down the peninsula, right? And, um, and it, a lot more camaraderie with other teams and um, helping each other out. The, okay. the way the rules are, they really encourage, like, hype, uh, you know, if, if someone's broken on the side of the, on the side of the trail and you come upon them and you spend an, uh, an hour hypothetically fixing them or helping them out, sure. um, they'll actually credit your time back at the end, like at the oh, really? end of the race. Um, if you put in a petition, so they're, it's oh, that's, that's really the, cool. the mentality like is is not just about being the fastest and winning and and right. having the this perfect um, experience it's about camaraderie and helping each other and um you know Very sharing cool. the experience so that's that's the nora 1000 yeah and then the the ba 1000 is a when the when you start at the at the, at the starting line the clock starts and it doesn't stop until you're at the end of the peninsula run so sometimes it ends in the pause and sometimes it loops back but the the point is that if you break, you're on, you know, there is no evening to fix it. It's um, right. That's why you, know, you have your it, spares with you and better hope. Yeah, well, it. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it's a different, it's a whole different animal. So, Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, the yeah, trails thank you for that, that they clarification. Yeah. Cause I, you know, yeah. you, you hear both names and as someone who's not really into, you know, that whole scene, yeah. I bet. I didn't know that you are. You are now. <laughs> I were yes. Wanting definitely. To You're tiptoeing so, into it. Yeah. All right, guys, I am going to unfortunately interrupt our amazing interview here for one second, but don't worry. Cause I'm going to talk to about something really cool as well. Our sponsor automotive anonymous. You've heard of me talk about these guys for a few weeks. Now it is an awesome online store for motorsport collectibles. Uh, it started out as kind of just a personal collection and it's turned into kind of this curated, amazing store of vintage automotive posters and collectibles. There's a lot of Porsche stuff, but of course, it's kind of, it runs the gamut. I always like to um, just kind of pull up their site here and pick a product and just kind of give you a flavor of what you can find here. Or if you uh, are not lazy, just go to autoanon.com. Let's see. We have, uh, I love the vintage posters. Of course, they have uh enamel pins and collectibles they also have uh ooh, vintage pins too those are cool okay so what do we got here grand prix this is a 1985 original poster i should mention that all of the posters on their site are originals this isn't some guy on ebay who's just like making photocopies and selling no these are actually original this one is a 1985 uh nurburgring grand prix strecker very cool oh this is a fully german ad too it's very cool what do we have there we have the jägermeister uh, 962, I believe that is, along with the Blompunk. 962. 
oh, truck race. We get the like the old Mon racing trucks, whatever they are. This is really cool, and it's all inside an opal steering wheel for some reason. Um, gosh, I may have to buy this one. And it, what I love about this site too is you can find some of these posters are extremely collectible. Um, and he does a really good job pricing them honestly. I know that for a fact. But like this one, it's less than 60 bucks for an original, awesome, historical motorsport poster. And they have everything, you know, Porsche. They got Indy cars, Formula One, of course, some Audi stuff. What is this? Is this, is this another Opal or a Renault? No, that's an Opal. Oh, that is cool. This is a 1985 uh, Opal rally car with the actual rally stage map on it, too. You'll have to check that out. That's for 50 bucks on the site as well. Yeah, he also posts quite a bit over on his Instagram at Automotive Anonymous. Um, as I mentioned, uh, all posters are original. There's extremely rare pieces and uh, some that are affordable and awesome. And they're authentic, of course. You can use the code OVERCREST to get free shipping on any and all of these posters. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of was chatting with the owner last week. And one thing I do love is the deep research he puts into valuing these rare posters. So, like I said, he's very honest about valuing them because some of them are extremely valuable. Um, but it's just it's super cool. Um, I want you guys to head over to autoanon.com or just on Instagram, Automotive Anonymous. Check it out. Check out some cool things. These would make great gifts as well, especially like I got an old Audi Quattro here. Maybe you know someone with an old Audi Quattro. Can't figure out a gift for them. This would be really cool to have a vintage period correct poster that you could then give them. Ooh, I'm a big, I'm a, I have a soft spot for 924. So here's the 924 original 1977 showroom advertising poster where it's the cutaway in the illustrated style showing everything. That's really cool. You are sure I'm going <laughs> to, if you head over there, I'm sure you're going to find stuff that you like. Um, so please do that. Autoanon.com. All right, let's get back to our interview with Toby and Cole. Okay, so let's start. I don't, I don't know where the beginning is. You tell me where the beginning is. You know, you had been helping Jeff of Rossport with the 964 911. So the real beginning cars. is that, um, you know, I'm really dorky for old cars, German cars, Austrian cars, As French we cars. All right, are. so we're you're, only you're, good you're talking here, to the right people right? here. Yeah, and and that's the origin of of us starting this company was is like truly like passionate for cars. And that's why I was trying to buy Showman seats for an old Land Rover that I had. And when they said that they didn't have any distribution outside of Germany, I was like, Oh my God, there's this product that's still made in Germany. It's top tier quality. It fits in the kinds of vehicles that I, that I love. Um, and they don't have any distribution. Like, you know, this is like perfect for me. So that's what started. So you're like, um, I'll right? be the distributor. Yeah. Just to get um, the seats for your Land Rover. Exactly. So, so <laughs> early on in the distribution of this product, you know, I'm like, I, I, when I was making the business plan, I, I actually didn't allocate any money for marketing um, because I, I thought, you know, people are going to see the same things that I see, the quality and the fitment and the, you know, the, how special it is. And I'm just going to be selling it to these like really enthusiastic, um, passionate car, car people. And sure. So, so part of, part of that first year was, um, is just going to the local people that I know. And, and so in Portland, Oregon, this, this mythical guy, Jeff Gamroth at Rossport, um, he's, he's the, the smartest guy you've ever met, but he's also like super intense. It has this amazing amount of energy. Right. And, okay. 
And uh, I I knew I wanted to like have him sell our seats, but I was so he's intimidated. He's not German himself, is he? Oh, he's got German roots for sure. Okay. Um, okay. So um, I was super intimidated by the guy. So I, okay. I had met him before and he was like passionately told me why we needed to re-gear the transmission. And if I was if I was a serious Porsche guy at all, you know, da 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 And, and so um, what happened was is, is he decided to do this. Um, nobody in the, in the 50 years of racing the Nora had ever finished in a Porsche 911. And so he hatched this wow. plan to to build a 911 that would that would finish the race and he got a a, a really great customer on board um, to build a second car so Jeff built a car he built a car for the customer and he's going to do this thing and he's there's nothing stopping him right they're going to go down there and they're going to do the Nora and he he happened to um, he was at his body shop and the body shop had a a Pinsgauer Starpuck Pinsgauer and right. and he looked at this Which, Pinsgauer. He had no idea what that, it was. Explain that to people. Or yeah, okay. Because yeah, so I, it's a it's I only know yeah. when looking into the story, and I was like, oh yeah, that thing, that thing. Yeah. So yeah. Um, <laughs> there's all these there's all these rabbit holes, but um, there's a company a company in Austria that makes um, special things, uh, four wheel drive vehicles that are like the best of the best for militaries around the world. And so one of the vehicles that they made over time was this thing called a Pinsgauer, which is a, it has an air cooled four cylinder motor. It's up front, but the, the engineering is, is absolutely top tier. Um, it's, it's made to it's be built like on. a tank because it basically yeah, is. Right? It basically yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and so the, the Swiss government bought, bought these um, and they, they decommissioned them, you know, maybe 15 years ago, there was kind of a glut of them coming to the U.S. because the Swiss military was demilitarizing de them and selling them to sure. the civilian market. So so Jeff saw this thing at the body shop and he had no idea what it was other than it was air-cooled and it was European and it looked cool. And and he's like, that's the vehicle that I want to support our race in, in Mexico, right? He's going to okay. fill it up with spare parts and he's going to rally down to Mexico and, and use this Pinsgauer as a support truck. Um, but he had no idea about Pinsgauers and, and that's kind of my, my jam, right? So like I knew all about oh, so them and I've these I are had, your, okay. these are your I've things. had them before. There's actually a little brother to the Pinsgauer called the Halflinger that came out first. That's, that's uh, named after a little Alpine horse, but it's, it's literally half the size of a Pinsgauer. Sure. It has a two, okay. two cylinder air cooled engine in the back and portal axles and independent suspension and lockers and. And so I, I have a Pinsgauer. I had a Pinsgauer. I have a Halflinger, and they're actually made by the same company that makes G wagons. So G wagons are made under license in so Austria Steyr, by is a Yeah, and they actually. So uh, my only, uh, I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt, but my only yeah. uh, knowledge of the company is the little Pook mopeds. Exactly. You know about these from the seventies. I had a whole slew oh, of those for a while. Yeah, but it's yeah. very funny that yeah that you can either. But they made bicycles and giant. Yeah, Pinsgauer. Yep. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that's, that's my passion. Like that's one of my dorky passions is these little Austrian trucks. And so I'm into Porsches and, and Austrian trucks and, you know, other things. But, um, so, so Jeff buys the Pinsgauer and one of the people that works for him is like, Hey, Toby, Jeff bought this Pinsgauer. He doesn't know anything about it. You really need to come down here and introduce yourself again and, and help him out. So sure. I did that. And he's telling me all about the truck. He's showing it to me. And um, we, we go in the interior and the, the seats are, they're made for, for conscripts in the Swiss um, military, right? They're like the, literally the most uncomfortable 
Right. Yeah. Um, not, built in, not built for comfort. And so it, in passing, he says, yeah, we got, we have to figure something out with these seats in the front. Like this isn't going to do, if we're going to drive this thing, you know, for 2000 kilometers in, in Mexico, we got to get better seats. So I'm like, Hey, that's what I do. And um, so we, we make a deal to, to sponsor the truck and put seats in it. Um, and then I invited myself along for the trip and said, <laughs> um, you're probably going to need someone to drive the Pinsgauer in Mexico because they're a little bit finicky. And, and if someone breaks on it, you're going to need me to help you fix it. It's um, like a I perfect alignment yeah. of your interests, right? So you have yeah. the Pinsgauer stuff and then like, oh, the seats that now I'm a distributor yeah. of. And yeah. okay, had you been into like off-road endurance racing prior to this at all was this an interest was this oh in my dreams in my dreams uh repeatedly but um because of my interest in off-road trucks i've been in i've been um, in lots of long off-road trips and and then we have an event in oregon every year called the northwest bog fest which is like a you know a european truck festival what um, we would call mudding up here in the uh, redneck Midwest, right? Yeah, it's it's a little bit more civilized, but not it's much. The bogging just seems yeah. more classy than mudding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So no, this is my first my first trip to do something like this at all. Yeah, okay, absolutely. So, um, so what was your the, what role were you? What capacity were you down there? Well, there was there's a lot of elements of organization and um, like fixing, if you will, to make things happen. And not that I'm good at any of those things, but I was probably better at some of them than than some of the I'm other team members. When you say fixing, that has many connotations, right? Are we are we the fixer yep. when it comes to certain regulations and maybe? <laughs> government policies you're the fixer or like is this you have to fix the mechanical issues on the vehicles well on a on a a, uh, yeah no all the above um i don't have personal experience with the fixing with the government but that is something we for instance there's a a gentleman on the team steve who speaks Mm -hmm. spanish a lot more time in in mexico and every single trip that we go on he's doing some kind of negotiation with the police. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's to get things done. a new so, story that we've heard. Yeah. In general, there's a lot of things that just need to happen. And there's like, you know, a lot of hands make quick work. And so there was, it was a ragtag team of people that none of us had any experience racing in Mexico. Didn't understand how the race worked. Didn't understand how the, the culture was in the race. It was really just like showing up. Um, Jeff Swart actually was, he was the co-driver and shared the driving with Cameron Healy, who was the, the customer car. And so sure. he's the one who he's rallied all over the world and Pikes right. Peak. And so he brought a lot of insights and, and help, which was, which was awesome to have. And, um, yeah, but fundamentally, I'll give you the, the, like the fund that first trip, the fundamental thing that the character of the trip was that okay. Jeff wanted to be the first person. They wanted to be the first people to finish the race in a Porsche 911, but right. they didn't want to do that by making them into a sand buggy, you know, like, yeah. And have them be super jacked up and, and just be completely modified for, for racing down there. So these okay. were essentially, um, they had some, they had a lot of reliability, um, fixes, you know, there's all kinds of trick mm. stuff that went into building the cars, but the the suspension was largely stock. They had special shock absorbers from um, some people in England 
but the, the, the ride height was not much higher than a stock 964. And so the amount of fixing that had to happen. skid plates, at least? We did, but the, the skid plates <laughs> just got destroyed. So every, there's pictures of us like with sledgehammers flattening yeah. the, the skid plates at night. And um, the an oil line came off of Jeff's car on the, the, the third night. And uh, there's, there's there was a, a windstorm in this town, this very remote town called Bay of LA, where you know, everyone basically camps out. There's not enough houses in the town or there's no hotels. So you're sure. camping out. And normally it's like this beautiful seaside uh, on the Sea of Cortez um, parking lot that's not a lot of drama. And there was like this incredible windstorm. And so Jeff brought a, a short block um, or a long block, excuse me, um, spare yeah. engine, but it didn't have injection or exhaust or anything on all the insulators. So the this team of guys that really had never completely worked together as a team, you know, they all came from different places, um, yeah. just came together and like tore this motor out and, and swept it over. We were we were holding up sheets of four by eight sheets of plywood to like block the wind and the sand wow. and the sandstorm. Um, but at the end of the day, the they they did it and then like the next morning this motor fired up and they went and finished the race with so both Cameron and Jeff um, finished the race in these almost really stock 911s and the 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 feeling of you know camaraderie and getting it done and and the joy and and the racer's face it was it was something really incredible to be a part of. Now, Nicole, you weren't down there on that adventure, were you? No, no. I went year two and met them at the finish line. And so the cool thing with year two is same eclectic team came together. um, And then the addition was of a Humvee. And so that was kind of the, they exchanged out the Pinsgauer for a Humvee. Um, I'll let Toby take it from there because I was not part of any of that part. (laughs) Well, this... What, this, that seems um, like yeah. sad and insulting for you, Toby, right? This is your thing, the Pinsgauer. And here they're Absolutely. swapping yep. the Swiss government vehicle for the American government vehicle, right? Yep, yep. So um, <laughs> the Pinsgauer is a lot of things, but it's not fast. And, and in hindsight, a Humvee is a lot of things, but it's not fast. Um, and so um, the Humvee has raced in Baja before. And so this, what, what happened was... Sure is that they, they finished the first year and they were pretty slow. And so the second year they wanted to go faster. And the idea with the Humvee was that it was, they, we built it into an actual race truck with a roll cage and all the things that a race truck needs, but with three seats in it. And it carried spare parts and tools and a mechanic. And, um, and we followed behind the Porsches so that if they broke, when they broke, the Humvee would be there to on the race course to help get them through. And, um, it was an incredibly generous, um, situation where, um, Jeff and allowed anyone that was part of the team to volunteer to build the Humvee. Um, and if you help build it, then we got to race it. So I got to race the Humvee for almost a whole day in the race at, at essentially no cost to me, um, other than wow. my labor to help build it. And so that was the, um, you know, oh my God, this was now I'm racing in a, race truck and um and nicole at that time it was a very um sexist um no girls allowed type girls were allowed oh it was the boys club it was the boys boys yeah Yeah. so year two and another spouse uh met them at the end and watched them come into the finish line so all three cars finished so 
to give you an idea, most years about half the cars um, finish and half the cars are out sure. for, for a number of Which, reasons. I mean, I feel like we kind of have to paint a picture for people just how grueling this race and this terrain is. Yeah. Right. Like, what do you. Well, you know what? We'll save it because you then experienced it again. Both of you. Right. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, OK, so most of the time, only half of the cars finish. But this year you had all three. All three. Yep. Yep. And so the it was incredibly difficult. So tr- Jeff had trans transmission case broken half. And he changed the transmission in a, a pit garage in the middle of nowhere, some some town, right? Wow. Like it, it was it was five days of like ing- absolutely difficult, grueling, painful struggle. But at the end, all of us finished, and the the Humvee um, had none of us that drove the Humvee had ever raced before. So like a there was like nine or ten people um, that had never raced raced this Humvee and finished. So it was really really powerful positive experience and nicole was there at the end and felt that even though she wasn't a part of it she felt it and i'll let her take take it from there what what she said and what what evolves so apparently as they all come rolling in um and the enthusiasm going over the finish line and everything i i turned to toby i'm like we should do this not only should we do this but we should do it in a g-wagon um his memory is he told me I was crazy. No, uh, a good friend of ours who's there, she's like, no, it's actually great. He's super supportive of you. He's like, yes, we should. I agree. That sounds great. It's a so funny- conflicting stories. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. why why the G wagon? Is that also it's, I suppose just with that's the what, hour? That's one of your yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. So we started with Land Rovers. I probably had 30 old like series Land Rovers yep. and um, and then a, a really special Defender 110 that was imported from France by another friend, Eric Didier. Um, but I bought a I bought a G-Wagon. There's there's one year of, of G-Wagon, a 1999, it was two years, 1999 or 2000, um, where they, this company called Europa imported a G500, which has the, the V8 gas motor. But the right, body yeah. and the interior and the transfer case and the simplicity of the um, older older non-imported European trucks. So that you get this like really sweet engine and this really basic truck. And I was on the I was on the hunt for one of those kind of rare birds for maybe eight years. And we found one and I still had the Defender, but I'm like, we have to we have to pounce on this thing because it was like rust free. It had the, yeah. like the, the owner that had like fixed everything on time and was it was like the one so we bought it thinking we would have this like experience the g-wagon and keep the land rover and um but and then it was long gone right yeah 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 so um yeah so now we're just you know we like old and old g-wagons so what how did the land rover compare to the g-wagon just in general you know like you've seen all the different variations of land rovers and the g-wagon for a lot of people who don't know i mean it it started as a military vehicle right in germany well or is that not interesting interesting so i i yeah so um i've actually had the the pleasure of meeting one of the project managers for the g-wagon um he's retired now but he's part of the there's there's a there's a really close-knit g-wagon community of of like i would call them like real true enthusiasts um and so his story the Land Rover already had the Range Rover and then they had their, so the Range Rover was filling the need of the, um, the farmer with that, that goes to town and goes to the opera, you know, like a more luxury truck. Right. Okay. And, and so the, the, 
and then they have the Land Rover, like the series Land Rover at the same time. With, and the, the difference was that the Land Rover could be focused purely on this military, farmer, industrial customer. And then the Range Rover could be focused more purely on the, the upper scale luxury customer. Sure. And the, when they when they had the, the blueprint for the G-Wagon um, from the very beginning, they, they had to do both. So the one one truck had to be configurable as an industrial military farmer truck or a more upscale upmarket um, uh, luxury vehicle. And so the way that they achieved that was the the, the way that he described it was by making the suspension of a. a um, a little bit less compliant, but adding the locking differentials, you could you could have a vehicle that you could drive on the highway and and have it handle all right. Um, but then when you when you go off road, um, the lack of articulation isn't going to stop you because you've got the locker. So from the very beginning, G wagons always had at least a rear locking differential and a center locking differential um, when you put it in four wheel drive. That's interesting that they were kind of designing it for those two. Uh, yeah. capacities or audiences from the outset because my first impression of you know G-Wagon or the the Galandedwagen or how do you what is the correct pronunciation again I'm slaughtering yeah. German yeah I, I'm not going to pretend to, to say oh, that okay. I know well, Galanden G-Wagen literally just means cross country vehicle gay. which is funny yeah Yep. Um, but car. no, my yep. my first impression of them was like the the G wagon stood for like the gangster wagon, right? Like you saw, <laughs> well, no, you'd see like the the blacked out windows and like the big wheels, and it was not at all an off road looking truck. It was like yep. the the baller, you know, flex culture vehicle. But it is interesting that they were supposed to be luxury vehicles as well as this capable off-road vehicle. Well, they were designed to be configurable as each each way. Got so, it. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, so that's why we chose on, the G-Wagon. You're onto the G-Wagon. Yeah. Right. And yep. so, Nicole, you say, all right, we're doing it next year, both of us, and we're doing it in the G-Wagon. Yeah. <laughs> So many, many years went by of me like pushing, like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And Toby being like, oh, sure. No, not really. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was very subtle when I was really, you know, communicating that it was something I wanted to do. Um, So I booked us a three day training at Dirt Fish. (laughs) I was like, okay. That's you being subtle. Totally, Which, yeah. yeah. This okay, is like a, a little plug for Durfish, like that. So, so I I have no problem spending money on like like a vehicle that I know I could buy for a hundred dollars, but I could sell for one hundred twenty five dollars. I'll yes. do that all day long. But an yep. experience like going to Durfish, that is a completely like an expenditure that I'm never going to see back. And I have a it's really superfluous. Um, what are we doing? Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. not a hard asset. Yeah. That's why I look at it. Uh, all my vehicle yeah. purchases, those are investments, dear. Yeah, it's easy. You know, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. But okay, so yes, yeah, so, so this was Dirtfish was splurge going to yeah, Dirtfish, yeah. yeah. so and it was. I have no problem spending money on experiences. So I'm like, <laughs> we're doing this. Yeah. So yeah, no, they were. That was amazing. That was a cool experience. We did the three day, and we did the rear wheel drive BRZ. It was yep. epic. Absolutely epic. They did it. Yeah, amazing we gotta job. we gotta get those guys on the podcast sometime because yeah. I've heard nothing but great things about that entire Absolutely. program. Yeah, they're fantastic. Um, Okay, so that was your first subtle, yeah, I so guess, what, nudge? That was, to... um, that was early 2020 when we did that. So, of course, everything went on pause for a little bit. Um, and so it wasn't until late 
21, I think is when Toby ran into Michael Emery at the Nora 500. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the impetus was Michael Emery is like, hey, come do this. Um, you don't have to have safety gear. You don't have right. to have a helmet. You don't have to have a roll cage. You're not going to go fast. But we're going to have this experience, this adventure of driving down the peninsula and experiencing. Um, and, and frankly, for me, that was like, that's probably 90 that's percent yeah. of the right. Um, and at the same time, uh, until he's down to 500, because again, going back to me being subtle, I'm like, hey, go check out side by sides. They're going to be down there. Let's look at a side by side. Like, right. Because that's maybe that? a cheaper way Accessible. to Accessible. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. OK, so, so so you didn't go. Nicole on the slow Baja. No, 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 no. no the, five, the, yeah. the 500 is where I met Michael Emery. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. Okay. So yeah. you didn't, you weren't on that. So did you guys, so, did you do the slow Baja then? Yeah. So, so this is how it all started. Yeah. Okay. 2022, uh, we yeah. did the, the slow Baja, the Nora 1000 slow Baja. It was. Okay. In what vehicle? <laughs> so, well, our plan <laughs> was, um, so we have, a third G wagon we haven't talked about. We have a okay. late 80s um, short wheelbase cabriolet. Uh, so essentially, we had decided it needed a little bit more power. It was very slow, uh, okay. but fun to drive. Uh, I'm sure you guys have had some experience in slow 80s Mercedes. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, we certainly do. Yes. And so uh, <laughs> we were doing an engine exchange in that. And so the engine swap happened. And as all projects happen, things always take longer than you expect. And so oh, yeah. yeah, we call that we, scope creep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we ended up picking up the truck what, two days before we're needing to load it on the trailer and send it south to San Diego. And so we're doing our last minute prep on it. Toby's doing some runs around, you know, the neighborhood and testing out the new engine. And uh, lo and behold. What motor, what, what, what did you swap in there? Um, are you familiar with the OM605? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. So uh, the unbreakable diesel that you can put all of the. All, all the, the powers too. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Yeah. And so it broke. 2JZ of the diesel world okay yeah. but you did break it okay so oh, well, i didn't break it so this motor <laughs> yeah. so it was it was it was straight out of a, a a junkyard in portugal so the the engine itself was was not tested or or anything or vetted um essentially the the the, the radiator is full of oil so the um luckily the the engine it wasn't a head gasket it was a um, they have a, a water to oil um, oil cooler Separator, yeah, or and no oil cooler. And yeah, so it, cooler it, it, it cracked and let, um, oil. long story short is like, it's like the day before we're going, this truck's not, not going South. Yeah. Right. And so we have this daily driver, the, the Europa G 500 that has like, you know, gray interior and it's in, it's in like this preserved condition from, yeah, it's from 1999. It's perfect. And, and that's what you're taking down now. And we're like, okay, well, I'm going to, ch I just checked the oil and, and like, <laughs> like threw it on a trailer and we rallied that thing. We did. It was, wow. so it was the slow thing. Baja, the slow Baja there, it, it ended up, there was, they, they created a new class called the Rapido class. So okay. there's, this, instead of there being a, only a slow class, there was a fast class mm -hmm. and a slow class of the slow people. And the Rapido, the Rapido guys so were, were you, were you a fast, slow person? 
we thought we were slow and we started slow and then we were ended up being a fast, slow person, which was a slow, fast person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we ended up running uh, the, in the back of the pack with the, the Rapido group, which they okay. were amazing. Um, it was an amazing experience. Um, and so it was, it was really cool. And, and so through that, we met some great people. Um, Dave was leading our course, amazing guy. And it was such an honor because at the end of day one, we're like, oh, dude, we're slow. We're, t we're just probably totally slowing them down in the back because they were running it tight. They would call ahead mm. things. So you're, everyone's on a radio. You're tight yep. together. Amazing job with uh, curating the experience. And at the end of the day, Dave comes up to us and he's like, you guys going to run with us tomorrow? We're like, we got invited back to the fast group. This is awesome. I'm so excited. Yeah. And you were so, thinking you were going to be uninvited. Like, oh, maybe you like, should go back should to go the back uh, to that slow not group. so rapido. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Nice try, guys. So they're very sweet. And so we hung with them for the rest of the trip. Um, but it was fun getting to know people because these are cars that are pre-runners. So they have suspension. They're built for this. People have experience like going out and running down Baja we were complete novices. And so yeah. it was, it was fun seeing what our stock truck could do and keep up with the, the group. That's it was fun. awesome. So even the slow Baja, the Rapido though class, I mean, they're like prepped vehicles. Much more. There wasn't, there wasn't a prerequisite to be prepped, but what, right, what but happened is like, happened this there. is, yeah, this is who happened to be interested in going. There was kind of two groups. There was people with like, uh, stock FJ60, and they sure. kind of stuck with the the slow group, and then the yeah. the guy with the Raptor was like, "I'm going to go with the fast guys," you know. And, yeah. And and a lot of them already knew each other, and they kind of had signed up together, and so there was already like there was already a culture, and we were just like yeah. kind of entering into it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So essentially, as we were prepping our short wheelbase. For the, the slow Baja, we were just trying to make sure that we're going through the punch list of what should we do to the truck so we have a good experience. This is, this is the truck with the engine swap. So yeah. we had a year. We had committed to this thing like a year beforehand. So we have a year to prep the truck. And, sure. and in my mind, the G-Wagon is like, <laughs> it's, it's durable enough, but there's always a weak link. And so I, I'm like going, I'm just trying to glean information from other people that have done this kind of thing to make sure I'm not, yeah, like, what, I don't want to be the guy down there with the, the, the G wagon that's on the side of the road broken because he wasn't prepped, you know, like there's a higher right. level of um, expectation to not be the D bag when you're so bringing, you're so what are, the what are car. the weak, weak links with? Yeah. <laughs> what are the weak links with that chassis? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, I can skip ahead to the race that we just raced, laughing. and I can okay. tell you all Let's about the weekend. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward after but, the slow there's, there's a little. There's a little bit more. I want to. I want to stay back here at this part okay. of the story first. Absolutely. So, so the um, the key here is that I'm 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 going out and I'm gleaning information from people that I'm respect that I respect and have knowledge. And so sure. there's there's a. The, this Europa um, company was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and they're the ones that had the licenses to bring in the G-Wagon up until 2001 when Mercedes bought them out and started bringing them in themselves. And mm -hmm. so there's a, there's a community of people in New Mexico that, um, you know, kind of grew up around these G-Wagons and, and they're passionate about them. And, and one of them is a guy named Mark that has a company called OCD um, 
you know, motorcycles and, and G-Wagon repair, essentially a shop in Santa Fe. Oh, he cool. was okay. one of the, he was a, he's a German expat that was brought over by Europa to federalize that 1999, 2000 G500. And when Mercedes bought out the contract, he stayed in the U.S. Okay. Got it. okay. So I called him. I'm like, Hey, this guy's the G-Wagon guy. He's going to know the weak links more than anybody else in the country. Right. Perfect yeah. guy. And, and he, he tells me a, a few things um, to do and a few things to check on. And he kept referencing the Rally G. When he built the Rally G um, with these, these two local guys, um, William McBride and James Opal, they did XYZ and they did this and they did that. And then it's bringing back this, this kind of history from the G-Wagon community of this, this really special Rally G um, that these guys built for another rally and another type of rally in Mexico called the Sonora Rally. Have you heard of that? I have, yes. So, so I, I'm a visual guy. So when you're talking about this historic Rally G, yep. is this the one with the Rothmans or the Texaco livery? Tex- well, so it's the one... Um, it's the Jackie X Googling. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, the, the, the tech, the Havoline Texaco livery, the, he, yeah. he, they won, they won the, the Dakar rally in 1983 in this, um, a 280 GE, um, G wagon. Got it. Okay. So that's the Dakar. There's a race that they, that started racing in, in Mexico in 2016 called the Sonora rally which is a car style event. So you don't have a GPS, it's a navigational rally. So there's yep. this, there's this big, open, beautiful piece of terrain in, in, in this, um, this region of Mexico. And they give you, you know, distances and coordinates and, and you're out there trying to hit all the waypoints and, and not get lost. Right. So yes. the, these, um, this James Opal and, and William McBride are, um, passionate G wagon people like I am, um, and they find out that this Dakar style event is going to happen kind of in their backyard in Sonora, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, we're going to build a truck to do this. And so in a, a very quick order, they found a rusty little short wheel base to a four cylinder gas G wagon in Canada from another G wagon guy. They bring it in, they find a metal fabricator that's willing to make a roll cage. Um, n- now they have no experience doing this at all. This is all just like brute force. Right. Um, so Mark with the G wagon shop helps them by offering the space in his shop to, and some tools and, and they passionately like scrape together and they get this truck built. And when they do it, they, they make it an homage to that Jackie X 1983 truck Got by okay. building the aerodynamics on the back and doing it. So they go to Mexico and they actually finish the race. And I think they got fourth or fifth first in class and they, they built it to um, T2 FIA rally truck standards. So the truck's like, it's, it's built to, it could go to Dakar and race in the T2 class. Like it's that style of of build. Um, And so finishing was really spectacular. And they were, they were just like me and Nicole that second year when it was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing ever in the whole world. Racing's the, is, is just such a great feeling, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so they sign up for the second year. And in the second year, the, the, the big, big negative from the first year was that they did it. They, they had a four cylinder gas engine G wagon, which if you were just to drive it down the road and go up a hill, you'd be like, oh, this doesn't have enough power. Like, but to race it in the desert right, the you're, hills, when you're on the you're open flogging it, you know, they were <laughs> flogging it. And, and so they, this, the, um, the two Jay-Z 
equivalent. Um, it's called the OM606. is the yep. six-cylinder twin overhead cam, high-revving turbo diesel engine. So they found a wrecked um, a 1999 E300D um, mm-hmm. that, that was on a car carrier. It's like a grandma car. And the, the, they went under an underpass and like peeled the roof off. So it was like this pristine <laughs> engine transmission in a pristine car. Um, and they, they scrapped together. And there's a, there's a whole community of people um, on this forum called Club G Wagon um, that are just, there's a great group of people. And so they, they kind of pooled all their resources, knowledge, and they put the OM606 in there um, and they raced it the second time in the Sonora Rally. And again, yep. they they finished third in their class or in in the race of all. Right. I mean, Overall. just like yeah. people aren't finishing. Yeah. Um, but the the big negative was that now they've got all this power, and instead of like you know going over sand dunes and and having to like work really hard to get over the sand dunes, they've got like power. You know, like this thing's okay. rolling hole and ripping up the sand dunes, and they were going up a big a big sand dune on the last day with the sun in their eye. And they misjudged how tall the sand dune was and launched off the top of the sand dune and landed on its side. And so there, there's some videos online and stuff of them uh, like writing it. But at the end of the day, it, it really crushed in the side of the truck. Um, so but they, finished, they finished it. They finished it. And, yeah. and it was it's really special. So <laughs> to, to make a the make to make a long story longer. <laughs> No, I love it. This is so they they both um they both for for separate reasons um McBride and and James decided that the racing wasn't in the cards the next year and Okay. They they um they William was on this big ranch in New Mexico. He parked it and it, so it, it's been this truck was sitting on the ranch in wrecked condition but drivable condition since 2017. Mm-hmm. So okay. I got off the phone back with Mark. I'm talking to Mark about the how to fix up our truck. And he keeps referencing the Rally G. And I get off the phone with Mark and I immediately call William McBride and I say, dude, is that truck seriously just sitting out in the, the ranch? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's really sad. Um, I, you know, I, I love it so much. We're pa- emotionally connected to it, but sure. you know, racing just isn't in the cards. And I'm like, I don't think I even like asked Nicole. I'm like, Nicole and I want to race in Mexico. Will you sell it to us? And he's like, you know what? I would totally, it's not for sale, but I would sell it to you if you're going to go race it in Mexico. That's awesome. Nicole and I got on a plane, like literally the next day or two days later (laughs) and flew to New Mexico and went out and stayed on his ranch in the middle of nowhere and rallied the truck around on these back roads. And I think we drove it for like, Nicole actually drove it the most, maybe like three minutes. And then (laughs) I drove it and it overheated. So it like, it was, um, it doesn't really matter. It it had been sitting. It's just sitting and didn't have coolant in it or something. And, and so we didn't hurt it, but I couldn't drive it anymore. Okay. So we, we made a deal and, 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 uh, bought it. That was basically a year ago. Yeah. January, February, 2022 two okay um, so then and i um, know you did the nora this year so. Yeah, so so then basically we got it shipped out to oregon and yep. uh you know again scope creep on projects so it came out to oregon we had some basic things we thought we needed to do which then turned into a lot of things we needed to do um 
And then there we were, what, two days before we're supposed to loading or day before we're supposed to loading, still finishing projects, brake master cylinder. Yeah, I mean, normal <laughs> racing stuff. Um, but the the core of the truck was really built well. They did a, they did a really good job. And then there was there were some things that the, they ended up rushing at the end. So hmm. when they put the OM606 in, the... The, the length of the engine, um, the engine fits in the chassis fine, but there's not enough room to add a big intercooler and a big oh, radiator because there's sure. thermally there's like you got to deal with the heat. Um, yeah. So they made and the decision. It turns to, out you're in the desert. Yeah. And the Sonora Rally is actually much, much more difficult thermally than the the, the race that we're in is um, you're, you're moving. There's air moving right. over radiators more often the Sonora rally yeah. you're in the desert in the in the sand and like you could be going slow and really like challenging terrain um, sure. so so they made the call and they worked really hard at this to get so they, they wouldn't have thermal problems they put the radiator in the back of the truck and so when they did that they put they put twin um uh transmission coolers back there and fans and and then big air scoops to draw air through the radiators and I think they ran out of time when they were um, they were they were going to their race, and so the gotcha. wiring for the for all these fans and all the uh, uh, all the stuff in the back of the truck was experimental at best. So it <laughs> you sent me a whole um, yeah, a whole yeah. slew of photos, and I think I'm yeah. looking at one of the photos that you're referring yeah. to. Yeah, it's, um, uh, it, but you know it, when, it, it wasn't when somebody fully... else. That, yeah. like put together and finished in a nice harness yeah and so um we're busy running a company like you know i yeah. know it's, it's 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 hard work just like you know keeping on 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 top of running a company and and then i relied on some some outside help to help with prepping the truck mm -hmm. and th it always takes a little bit longer than you're expecting and so the the, the truck was essentially i was i had in my brain accepted that we were going to run it with this like really experimental wiring and and nicole's like dude what are you doing we can't i'm not going to mexico with you in that truck with all that bullshit wiring. yeah and and i was like i'm more like the experimental wiring yeah i'm more of an optimist like oh yeah we'll make it work you know i'm just envisioning so you you have pictures of what the back of the truck look like for wiring yeah yeah, yeah. Under the footwell, so as a co-driver, under my okay. footwell is basically the stock, what remains of the stock G-Wagon harness was just kinda... lumped and rolled together and kind of shoved yeah, under the feet. So, there, yes. <laughs> it just, my fear is I'm like, Toby, I cannot be like getting out of the truck. I'm going to be like hanging by my boot with the wires. Yeah. <laughs> so There's two ways to look at that. Toby being the optimist is thinking, well, it's easily accessible for repairing yeah. it. Yeah, right? exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's, all, or, it's all right there. It's all right yeah. there. Yeah. So, so literally we're like, this is like, this is a couple of weeks before we're going to leave on the race. And I finally have the truck in our possession because it's, it's, it was at, it was at a, a buddy shop, Ficarage in, um, in banking, a turbo upgrade and some cooling, um, uh, some, some needed upgrades were happening over there. And so when we, we got it back, a friend Spencer, um, started bending out the, 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 um, the where it had been rolled oh so the, the damage the whole yeah. side of the truck was caved in and spencer's like dude i can i can get this back into shape you know like no problem so he was a total champ and got his port power out and and got it back into shape and in my mind i'm like okay perfect now like this is all about going to the race and finishing it doesn't matter how it looks 
Sure. And um, he actually works for Jeff Gamera. So Spencer brought it to Jeff's shop to to use the lift to do something. And and Jeff calls me. This is like three weeks before the race, and he's like, "Dude, your truck looks like shit. You're not bringing this. <laughs> you're not bringing this thing to Mexico like this." He's like, "You've got to find a body guy to work on it." And I'm like, "Jeff, I don't have a body guy. It's three weeks away, and it's not happening." And so he gets on the call and he, he, he finds a local, a local friend, a body shop that's willing to like take it on. And, um, and so, so now I'm like, I, I thought I had three weeks to prep it essentially. And Ooh. now it's going to be at the body shop for two right. weeks. And I'm like, dude, we were just like screwed ourselves. And then, and then Jeff's like, what's up with, this is the first time Jeff's really seen our truck in person. And he's like, what's up with the shocks? And I'm like, what do you mean? What's up with the shocks? They, they're, there are the race shocks that have been on it. And he's like, dude, these things are totally worn out. You've got to have them rebuilt. And I'm like, well, uh, how does one go about, go about doing that? And, yeah. and <laughs> so he's got this, this, um, a, a contact sunny, a, a down South, um, in San Diego that, that that's his business is rebuilding shocks and, um, th- these type of shocks. And so Jeff convinces me like, okay, let's take the shocks off. Now that the fundamental thing that makes a, a, a truck move off road is the shock absorbers and right. the shock absorbers are now in a UPS box on the way to <laughs> San Diego three weeks before the race. So nothing ever then, goes wrong with shipping, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. no. So, yeah. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Not so, so at this point. So the, wow. now the shop, now the truck's at a body shop and the, it doesn't even have shocks on it. And yeah. Um, and the body shop guy is just shaking his head at us. Like really? You're wasting my like, time working on this? Yeah, and the well, truck is that, came like, from when are you leaving? Like, what's yeah. the date? So it all came together. The body shop actually he he asked for two weeks. He did it in one week, and it actually awesome. it was it was the shape, the rough shape of a G wagon when it came back. And yep. um, so now I have it in my possession, and and my goal is I'm gonna Spencer had already like kind of outlined the wiring in the back, the experimental wiring, and made a little diagram of what he thought was happening. And so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna tidy this up and kind of like yeah. just make it work. And I started tidying it up and I start checking things and I'm like, no, no, it, I just yarded it all out on the ground. There's probably oh, like no. 30 pounds of wiring. Um, and, and so we like redid it all from so, scratch, starting from scratch. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. um, Luckily it, all, it all worked out. We have a, I have a really great friend, um, the, Justin that, that actually owed, owed me a little favor. And so he, his timing worked out perfect. So he yeah. put in like, four solid like 12 hour days um so we we got everything dialed um the shocks came back shocks went on like everything came together um the the livery is really cool too with you know at some point someone put together a livery for this well that was shield man and yeah yep Yep. And uh, that came at the last minute so we have an in-house marketing guy josh and he um he probably did 20 different liveries because, you know, we would say, Oh, this sounds cool. How about this? And he would work it up. And then, and then Nicole's like, well, I don't like that color. So we would, yeah. you know, completely change it. Um, and it ended up, ended up being Designers like, that, bas- <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted something like, uh, you know, period correct and, and fun and evocative. And, and so it's like a combination of like, the fastest cool. liveries and yeah. you know anyway i think and it then, came fun. and then multul came on as a sponsor towards the end too so yeah uh, that's where that all came together i love it yeah i love the uh the outline or the silhouette of the seat as well yeah very cool it's like a like the yeah, yeah. 
So okay, so came together kind of at the last minute. Put it on a truck to ship it down. Then I assume it wasn't the kind of the last minute. It was the last minute. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so and so we we contracted Jeff um, Gamroth to support us. So he has the trailer okay. and the trucks, and it's the same se- same team of like misfits that <laughs> I did it the first time with. Except now we're on the other side of it. We're the we're the customer, and you know we're paying them to to help us out. And And the um, other customer was um, Sheriff in the, and so he raced the 911 that Jeff just built for him. Jeff and uh, Baja. Now, is this a different car than the, the original two that went down? Yeah. So the original two, um, Jeff's car every year that he raced, he was evolving it and got it. And he, he built a relationship with um, uh, TJ, TJ, uh, Baja 911, um, TJ. And so they developed a, a whole suspension package and bought carbon fiber body package and really kept pushing the envelope. So it, it kind of evolved into the thing that he said he didn't want to do the first time, which was make it like a <laughs> right. buggy. Um, and, and so, uh, a local, um, you know, Porsche buddy, um, named Sheriff, he commissioned Jeff to, he went all in. He went, he actually did the same thing as us. He took his, his street 911 essentially on the slow Baja, um, the same year we took our G500, which is a year ago. Sure. And he caught the bug just deep. So he sold, he sold his Rothman's um, replica car and took all the money and he commissioned Jeff to build him a full blown top tier um, rally car. Of yeah. The, I'm the seeing Baja, this thing. Right. Okay. It's, so, yeah. That was a rolling shell three weeks before the race. So that came up. Um, TJ in, in now in, in Arizona um, did all the, the fabrication on the suspension and the body work and, and everything down there. It came up to Portland as a rolling body shell. And the team at Rossport um, completely, they had everything lined up. The, the wiring harness was there. Everything was there. And they, they, they put that together in three weeks. So that was, wow. he was like started up for the first time, like the day before the trailer showed up so wow um, so yeah so we all roll down there and so this is the first time the sheriff's racing in the race this is the first time i'm racing in the race and and then jeff was um bringing i don't know if you can see that if you saw pictures but there's a a pair of cayenne so jeff's been developing i see um, cayennes in, yeah 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 so um the <laughs> it's a long story but the the jägermeister um you know, it was like a test, like, let's, will, will, will the Cayenne do the thousand mile race? And sure. so he was having his own development of that. And so then we got these two rookies, Nicole and I, and, <laughs> and Sheriff and his friend Premier. Um, so it's really uh, eclectic. You couldn't have a more eclectic trio of cars, a Cayenne, sure. a G-Wagon and a, a 911 Baja rally car. Um, so so yeah, man, we, we made it down there. So very, very truly, my absolute first, first and foremost goal was to get down there with a car that ran, that was entered in the race and yeah. could start. And so okay. truly like that, just being in Ensenada and, and the, the, the Ensenada is a place where, um, you know, there's really rough around the edges, but there's this warmth, like a glow from the people in Mexico. That's mm. just really special. And it just, I feel really, you feel welcomed and um, they're so happy to, to see these crazy white people with <laughs> rally cars show up. Um, and so just being there before the race was really special. 
Yeah. Yeah. You you felt the sense of accomplishment of actually absolutely like, being absolutely. There. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. We uh we passed tech. <laughs> that was amazing. I suppose. Yeah. You got to go through all that then. Okay. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, then we started. Thankfully, race. you read the wiring because that may have uh, caused some red flags. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a workmanship component of the tech that they don't want. You know, they, it's all it about has safety. To be for safety. Stuff. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So so you're down there. And this is all before the race starts, and then you wake up in the morning and first stage. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys. That's where we're going to leave it for this week. We have uh, a whole nother segment with Toby and Nicole from Shieldman USA uh, this next week. Um, like I said, it was too much to condense into a single episode, and there's even more amazing stories that they go into and camaraderie around the race and everything else, some of the adventures and mishaps, of course, that happen along the way. So check in on that next week. Um, of course, if you're a Patreon member or Air Drivers Club members, as we call them, um, those are going to be available today, a week ahead of time. So maybe that's another good incentive for you guys to head over to overcrestproductions.com slash drivers club. Little as $5 a month, support the show, get access to it, not only early access to episodes, uh, you also get exclusive content. We do a lot of episodes only for our Drivers Club members, and there's a whole lot of other bonuses that you can get as well. All right, guys, that's it. We will talk to you next week. 